Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cabaret Secrets. My name is Gary Williams, and today's guest, well, is a prolific composer and lyricist. He's written 18 musicals, the best of the songs that I can figure out anyway, are on an album called Act One, featuring some of the best-known voices of the world of musical theatre. His work's been heard at the Old Vic, the O2, the Duchess Theatre, internationally in Los Angeles, Germany, Austria and Switzerland. And what caught my eye was a show called Weird and Wonderful, a collection of songs celebrating weirdos and weirdness. Alexander Bermange, welcome to Cabaret Secrets. Hello, Gary. Lovely to meet you. Weird and Wonderful was, was basically an album of, of my comedic songs um, that we put out about ten years ago. Um, and then my own show I call The Wit and Whimsy. And this of... is where you perform uh, your own yes. uh, witty and whimsical That's tunes. correct, yes. Uh, so in putting that... Now, had you done that before, performed your own work before, like in a cabaret environment like that? Only under duress. Um, <laughs> basically, I'd, I'd guested. So I'd accompanied a lot of people, um, and often while they were doing their costume change mm. or getting a glass of water, mm. I would do one or two of my funny songs. Um, but I'd never done my own show. I'd, I'd done a lot on the radio, which was actually the thing which has, has really um, ensured that I've kept writing stuff alongside the stuff that I've, 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 I've wanted to write, just because um, for the last uh, eight or nine years... I've per periodically written uh, funny songs, which I've done on, on Radio 4 and the World Service. But I've always just gone in, done my one song, didn't have to see the audience. Um, say anything. Gone out, absolutely. No, occasionally I had, to, I had to speak beforehand or, or after, but not, not very much, obviously. I got an email out of the blue from uh, an acquaintance of mine who's, who's a high court judge. And he was putting together a rather swanky dinner in the city for a large, uh, a large collection of lawyers, basically. And they were going to have this posh dinner and they wanted to have some musical entertainment between the courses. And so the idea was, you know, if I accepted that I'd, you know, do about 10 minutes of cabaret between the courses, do some of my funny songs, and then I'd eat with them for the meal. And I'd not long prior to that seen Ruthie Henschel's one-woman show at the Hippodrome, um, which I thought was terrific. Um, I had the fortune of working with her a few months prior to that, and I just loved the structure. I loved the whole way that the show was put together. And I, I discovered that it was at, the cabaret was directed by someone who I already knew, but had known as a performer. His name was Michael Strassen. The vast majority of the cabarets I've seen um, you can tell if a director has been behind it. And I mean it's a compliment. I've seen some where I go out thinking, my goodness, a director would have made all the difference. But I really wanted a director. Because a I, lot of people would think of as a, a director is necessary for a, a big music totally. production and think, oh, it's just a one-man or one-woman show. What do we need a director for? What difference can a director make to a small show like yours? For me... I'd written all the music, I'd written all the lyrics, I was going to be performing it, and I wanted someone, especially because it was all comedic, who would say to me, Alexander, that song's not funny, or you can do better, or because 
I've never thought of myself as a as a singer as such. I interpret my own funny songs. I'm never going to be rivaling Michael Ball for any lead roles in the West End. Um, and I wanted someone who could say, no, that one doesn't suit you. I wanted someone who could be a no man. Uh, because the business, one of the nice things about the business is there's a, you know, so many instances where people say, darling, that's wonderful. And actually, with the exception of after a performance. As soon as you've walked off stage, that's all we want to hear. After right? the performance, that's the least useful thing you can have. Um, so I got in touch with, with Michael, um, who directed Ruthie's show and who I'd, I'd, I hadn't seen for a long time, but, but, but had known for, for, for a number of years. Um, and we had lunch and discussed some ideas. He recommended the St James studio. Um, this I, is a relatively new space in it London, is, isn't it? It is. It's a 120-seater, really classy, really beautiful, gorgeous grand piano, totally the kind of venue that I, I wanted. I checked it out and just fell in love with the space. So we had two months alongside, you know, all of the projects that the two of us were independently doing. Um, and so I put together a very kind of rough kind of show um, with my newly written opening number and um, played it to him. He gave me some feedback and we talked a bit about links and patter and so on. And I went to him and I thought, well, since I've got this excuse, since I've got this deadline, why don't I write another song? So I did that and then I wrote another one and another one. So actually, a, a large proportion of it ended up being new. And it ended up just being... Um, uh, it, it was like one of those things that you started out by listing all the songs on a sheet of paper and then kind of the, the first set and the second set, and then things get crossed out and moved around. I'm just simply Michael on... had a big hand in oh, where how the songs were. And what I'm interested in, in you know, the kind of things that he was saying to you, the kind of things that you didn't see yourself that you needed his eyes and ears for, and the, 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 the difference that he made in the structure of the show. A lot of, I mean, a lot of it was kind of incredibly detailed, but perceptive thing. I mean, I remember the first thing that he mentioned after I played to my initial very rough draft, as it were, was I was going to go straight from the opening number to the, the next one without saying anything between the first two songs. Um, and he said, no, you've got to, it's not a concert, it's a cabaret. I think obviously it depended on the, on the material that there was, there was there. And it was just things like, things like that, things like um, uh, positioning of, of songs or things that felt naturally to him as being, um, you know, close follow that. Or, oh, and the, 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 did, was he looking for like a, a reason to go from one song to the next song to the next song? Like there's some kind of, even if it was a very tenuous, some kind of link or something to flow? Yes, but then occasionally allowing for the odd jolt. Because I think the worst kind of links are the ones that are so tenuous that actually it, it's yes. almost better to just completely uh, yeah, yeah. completely ignored. And did, so, he like, did he want to have you speaking a lot, you know, in between most songs? Mm. Or did he like to sort of do, you know, two or three numbers segue and then a little chat bit? Um, generally, they, there was quite a lot of chat, but never for 
that long. I mean, there lots was the, of little, a little, little and often. Little and often. I mean, there was the odd anecdote, and there was the odd, you know, the, the songs I particularly want to set up. I also had two special guests, which I really wanted to do. And actually, actually that was one of the things I discussed with him. Um, I, the, the, just how many and how we use them. And it was two girls, um, and just how we involved them and when we brought them on and making it all seem natural, as it were, and how I'd interact with them. Also, how I'd interact with the audience, actually. Um, and just, do you know what? He was also great just thinking of quips, just little things to suddenly to make people laugh. Um, and suddenly, f for me... Um, Alexander the performer, as it were, mm. he, he, he made me think an awful lot about how I interpreted and, and acted my own songs, which was new for me. And did he still allow you to be yourself? Was uh, Michael sensitive to sort of giving you things which were a nice fit for you? Yes, and, he, and there were some things he suggested which I, I didn't want to do, yeah. and he said... Fine. And, and we normally found something which... Because often I would understand why... And it didn't happen very often. But, yeah, there were some things which, he was, which just seemed not me. In the, although... And it was cool for you to say. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think the trick about cabaret, as, as you'll be aware, is that you want to kind of be yourself as much as possible. Um, but for me, a director was just essential in order so that I knew how that could best be conveyed. And obviously because Michael, I mean, he obviously doesn't know me as well as I know me. Yeah. And there were some things which I just didn't, didn't feel that I would do, just mm -hmm. didn't feel right. Things that didn't feel right for me to say. Um, and I said, I, I really can't do that and he was fine with that I did not want the show to be a celebration of my own ego I did not want that's why I've always resisted <laughs> do you know what I mean I, you're I in the wrong business to, but I didn't want it to be the best of Alexander Vermeer yeah. here's wanted, another reason why I'm wonderful exactly and I don't want to say and here's a song that I wrote for this and here's a song that I wrote for that yeah, yeah, um, yeah. unless you're going to see a performer who is uniquely brilliant or originated a role that they're about to perform something from or something like that, I think, why would you want to hear someone perform a musical theatre song with just a piano, out of context, when you can also hear it performed in the context of the show with the setting, the costumes, the orchestra, the lights, all of that, unless there's a very, 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 very good reason for them to do so. And so I see the challenge with your show. You don't want it to just be a list and here's another funny song. I, yeah, I didn't want it to be like a tribute show, like a tribute to myself. I wanted it to basically be like a stand-up. I didn't want to have involved setups for songs where the setup almost takes longer than the song. What are the practicalities as far as paying a director is concerned? Because you know in cabaret there's really no money. How does it work? I mean, is it practical? Can we afford a director? It varies very much from director to director. Um, I was some time ago um, discussing doing something different to this but not a million miles away from it and um before the director who i had in mind at the time um would 
want to meet with me, wanted to have kind of contracts drawn up and blah de blah de blah de blah de blah de blah. Um, and everyone is everyone is different. I think it will it will depend on the kind of person they are, where they are in their career, what yes. they want to be doing. Um, I think um, I was adamant that Michael as director and uh, Cassidy Jansen and Julie Atherton as my guest West End leading ladies um, would all get something financially that, as far as possible, A, reflected the amount of time and talent that they were investing and took into account the fact that the St James studio is not Drury Lane. Mm. My best advice is to see stuff, you know, find someone. Just as I saw Ruthie Henschel's cabaret and was just so inspired, um, I knew that it would probably be a hard, a harder task for me because I'm not Ruthie Henschel. Um, but I, I was just really inspired. And it was coincidence that, that I happened to know Michael. But these days with social media, everyone's pretty easy to reach. You I don't have a, to get past agents and... Yeah, you know. I think a great lesson from this and a great piece of advice is just don't be scared to ask. Oh, absolutely. Because I think most people would be surprised how many people of with great reputations, of great experience, would often be very happy to get involved in a, a small production. And I think, I think if you're good at what you do and you can offer uh, a collaborator something other than money, they might well get involved. You, yeah, you can never second-guess people's reactions. Going back, you know, to the performance that we, we mentioned on the at, at One CD, you know, the original plan for that CD was to write to 26 West End stars and hopefully end up with half a dozen who we could give several songs to. I never guessed that we, we, we'd have, you know everyone say yes and 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 be happy to be on it it's a great you, compliment you never know well you you never know and you know just as i always like to be asked and you know there are times in my career you know when you know if if you're working on one project that is bringing in the money and there's something else which is maybe involving you something doing something that you wouldn't normally do the money is less important it, it totally depends from from project to project so um so yeah never be afraid to ask. Do you think it's possible to make money out of cabaret? Oh, what a good question. Indirectly. In that doing it may spawn other things. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, doing it may spawn album sales or radio play. The, the best work on my CV was always the worst page. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the it's stuff the that, same the, with me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the stuff that... And I always say, well, if I want to earn money, I'll do a wedding. It, it's great that, uh, that art and commerce sometimes coincide, but when they don't, then you've got to accept that. I mean, for me, the extra plus point of it was actually the deadline to get me to write loads and loads of new songs. That wasn't something I anticipated happening. It just... Ended up, and you know, and actually, Michael was the one who was saying, "Well, yeah, these, this new stuff that you're writing is actually better than the, the existing stuff." And can people, anybody listening to this now that wants to check out your work, uh, can how does it work? Can can we other cabaret singers just sing your stuff? Do we need to ask your permission? I, well, I get a lot of, I, mean, I get a lot of a lot of emails and requests for for sheet music, which I'm 
always happy to, you know, accommodate because obviously that's another thing that gets your work out there and it's great going to see other people sing your work or even just uh, just knowing it's there. So I love getting those kinds of messages. I can see that a lot of cabaret singers, particularly ones coming from a Western, a musical theatre background, would love to use your songs is because it's a, a, a relatively pain-free way, safe way, to inject some humour into their set because most of them are not going to be comedians and they're going to be very, feel very uncomfortable. Most of them feel very uncomfortable about doing chat anyway of any kind in between songs, uh, particularly if it's very revealing of themselves you know, and telling an anecdote. It takes time. It's a different skill set to learn how to tell a story, tell a funny anecdote. So to sprinkle a set with two, three or four comedic songs is a very nice way of solving that problem of lightening up the set isn't it oh completely and i think one of the things which i enjoy doing as well is writing character-based funny songs which again musical theater people are very very good at doing mm -hmm. that's why i wanted my my guests um because th there are certain kinds of songs so for example the kind of songs of mine that have been done by the likes of Kit and the Widow are very much the, the kind of songs where almost like, the, you know, the words do their own work, but there's not a character that is as precisely defined as some of the others that demand, like the, the one called I Love to Sing, which is about, the, you know, the world's worst singer, um, or about someone who's dreaming of their, 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 their ideal fairy tale prince. There are some that I particularly wanted characters to be built around and those work very well certainly by when done by musical theatre people in cabarets so those are the kind of ones I, I can't really do as well because I'm not an actor I'm more an interpreter but musical theatre people are great at doing that because they love having characters to build so there's something that's almost less naked for them they don't need to worry about mm. them as performer getting the laughs, they can embody the character who yeah, will get the laughs. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Have you seen lots of cabaret? Yes, I have. Um, I've seen cabarets of kind of all, all shapes and sizes, and some I've loved and some I've despised. I'm interested to know, you mentioned Ruthie Henshaw, I'm interested, what was it about her set that you loved so much and the sets that you've not enjoyed? What is it that they're lacking? Um... Well, I can answer the, the second question very easily. <laughs> um, basically, um, they're lacking direction, and that means either a director or a performer who actually... But, okay, okay, but, but how does that manifest itself? Oh, um, how does for, it manifest you know, itself? I mean, okay, you it say, well, seems so like... Okay, it's like a sequence of um, audition songs, mm. basically. It, it, it feels... It feels thrown together. No flow, I can't, or, no reason, or, or no, no point. So, um, awkward chat. Mm. Equally, a cabaret which is all unknown stuff or obscure or, or too unfamiliar. It's, it's nice every so often to have that thing which we we can latch on to. The question is to ask why, isn't it? Why, Completely. Why is that there? I mean, as a director, did you find that Michael did that with you? Is it, why are you doing that song there? What, why? What does it, why does it make... Why have you chose to do it there instead of in this other place? And if you can answer that properly... Yes. Uh, ..and demonstrate that it's there for a reason, then it's probably OK. But if not, maybe it needs to be moved. Completely. Um, absolutely. I think also for the chat... Um, 
for me it was a question of knowing what I was going to say, but not learning it by rote. Well, that's very interesting, because I tell people to do exactly the opposite, so that's interesting, because I say, because you know chat is something that most yes. people really struggle with. And yes. that's, that's my big... I've, I meet lots of people, people come to me for help, who are great singers, that's no problem. Yes. Uh, OK, we can structure the show, that's, that's relatively easy, but the bit they struggle most with is chat because yes. they're not used to being themselves in front of an audience and so I say well we'll we, we script some chat and then I say just practice it as if it's a script for a show so you know it inside out and in fact you know it so well that you can start to sort of make it your own you embellish it a little oh, bit okay. you change uh, bits of it but you, you just know it inside out so well in fact that you're able to uh, make it sound as though it's not a script you know rather than saying Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. In 1940-so-and-so, yes. Cole Porter recorded a thing da, 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 that you, you can get all that information over, but it, it, without doing it, you know, adding a few little words or ums and ahs or pauses here and there. I always think you have to know it inside out before you can start playing around with it. But you had a different approach. Slightly. Um, I've, funnily enough, unlike a lot of musical theatre performers and great actors, I've never had a problem with with the speaking, um, I was far more apprehensive about going up and singing my songs than the chat in between. I could gladly chat till the cows come home. It's just one of those things that I, I was far less nervous about. There's a danger in that, though, because... You know, you could sit there and chat all night about your stuff, but it can get quickly boring, and, or, or you can sort of get off topic, or start rambling. I know. I, well, that's why I, I always knew what I was going to say. Right. I just, I never had a. Didn't know script. how you were going to say, but you had yeah, the, you had the bullet points. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you, I, I need I, to get from here to here. Completely, and I didn't. I was, I was worried about learning it by heart because I'm not. Maybe because I'm not used to learning stuff by heart, or maybe I was just worried that it would end up sounding um, stilted. And some of it, because it's anecdotal, it's stuff which I told before in different contexts yeah. anyway. I know uh, you've got an exciting project coming up in February that you're looking forward to. Indeed, we are, we're returning. Well, now having, having finally done the wit and whimsy of Alexander Bermange at the St James Studio... Um, it went incredibly well, so um, yeah, we've we've been invited back. So it's uh, it's not a repeat performance because, uh, as happened the last time, the fact that I've got the second of February as a deadline has meant that I've already been writing some some new stuff, and uh, and so the, the 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 bits which went down particularly well last time will definitely be returning, and then we'll, we'll, we'll I want it to be. You know, a recreation of it, but with some new new things added, so that hopefully some of the people who saw it last time um, will be coming back, and also people who, who who didn't see it last time will be getting it all new for the first time. And um, I'm amazed and delighted that we've also got to get because, funny enough, Julie Atherton. I've been, we've been trying to work together for five years, and this was the first project where we were both available. She's in town. Cassidy Jansen's in town. She'll be hot-footing it from the uh, the Menier Chocolate Factory 
um, where she's playing Paquette in Condide. You're sort of like the Woody Allen of musicals, aren't you? Because you can sort of just have your pick of the talent that's around. They all want to work with you. Well, I, I, that's very sweet of you to say. I'm sure that there are many people, you know, like Messrs Lloyd Webber and Sondheim and Mencken and Schwartz and many others who are above me. Um, but but it's nice to be able to work with well, some to, great people, isn't to it? To be honest, a lot of these, because I've been around a bit and have accompanied performers in the past, and often people have said to me, well, well, you know, call on me if if you, um, you know, if you want me. And I, it goes back to that thing about directors, ask people, and they may well say yes. I mean, I was, I was chuffed a bit, actually, when we did it last time. I was inundated by well, with messages from male performers um brilliant and absolutely amazing talents but i think michael and i always conceived it as being myself and two girls and so for this particular show um i was unable to take them up on their offers although hope to do so on a future occasion it must be wonderfully satisfying to sit back and look and listen to what you've made yourself. Apart from immediately after a show, I hate the compliments. <laughs> because unless people really mean it, it is very, very hard. Because I know how much people need you to tell stuff is good immediately after you see it. But actually, I hate it when the very person who's said it's marvellous then the next day is either writing a rotten review or telling you, well, actually, really, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> so normally... Oh, so if, if we don't like it, say nothing. Yeah, or just if there's something you enjoy. I mean, it's interesting story because actually, um, mentioning no names a couple of weeks ago, I went to see something at the theatre which I, I, oh, words do not even begin to describe it. And I knew a couple of people who were in it, and I spent the whole show, well, not the whole show, but from halfway through the first act thinking, what on earth? <laughs> Am I going to... I mean, and it's, it wasn't even one of those things where, you know... Because often it's very subjective and some people like some mm. things and other people like other things. But there were just... It was bad. Yeah. Or And the funny thing was, it had found its market so that there were a lot of people in the audience who were absolutely loving it and even gave it a standing ovation. But it was kind of devoid of craft, shall we say. Mm. And the performers were working... So hard. So I thought, well, well I'm just going to focus on the performance. And I didn't have to lie about that because I thought the, the people I knew in it, and in fact the whole cast were just brilliant. So there I was. Fortunately, I saw the person I know better um, afterwards. I gave, gave him a big hug. I said, well, done. you were brilliant. In fact, everyone was brilliant. And he said, thanks, but the show's not good, is it? <laughs> um, and so that, that actually helped. But it's hard. It's 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 hard. So yeah, I mean, really, after a performance, I like to embrace everyone I know is in the audience, and for them to say, "Darling, you're wonderful." I will say to them all, "Right, let's meet up and or email me and tell me what you really think." They all go home. I go home. Go off to bed, and and then you know meet with a, you know the the mates of mine who are in or or kind of the people I I know will hear from them and hear what they really think rather than spending the you know the two hours in immediately after the performance by everyone just telling you how wonderful you are when really you're just beating yourself up for forgetting that thing or playing that wrong note that no one would have noticed anyway well or... if the success of the last 
run of Wit and Whimsy is anything to go by. Lots of people are going to love it, oh, for sure. Oh, please, God. So they should book now for the St James Theatre in February. Yeah, 2nd of February is when we'll be back. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to listening to this podcast, uh, embracing me afterwards, telling me it was marvellous, but then the, the, the morning after, <laughs> um, d- sending me an email to me and telling me what it was really like. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this Cabaret Secrets podcast. If you've got any comments or questions, please visit cabaretsecrets.com where you'll also find details of the Cabaret Secrets book, an indispensable guide on how to create your own show, travel the world, and get paid to do what you love. <laughs>